Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. It's Pastor Down. You straight punk bitch! I mean, you're just gonna replace me. Shut up! Randy Morales, the biggest slut in the Western Hemisphere! Why do I have to have a buzzer? You are now and will forever be an asshole. Because it's my show. And I love you, Greg. You guys know how to party. You're welcome. Here we are. It is a beautiful Tuesday evening. The date is October 25th, 2022, for historical purposes. When we record this, comes out the day after. It's the Greg DeMarco Show. My name is Greg DeMarco. Follow me at Chairshot Greg. The website is thechairshot.com. At Chairshot Media, sports, sports entertainment, or sports entertainment and sports entertainment. I got my own shit wrong. It's all there for you at thechairshot.com. So why don't you, uh, why don't you head on over there? TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. No Patrick O'Dowd this week, but, I mean, you could say, you know, some people would say, oh, you know, we, 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 we leveled up. Some people might say we, we dug into the bag of tricks. Some people might say, oh, who knows what people might say. But you know what? It, it, it's time to bring him back. Of, of the 411 Mania fame, also here at thechairshot.com. You might have recently heard him on a, a late edition of the DWI podcast with PC Tunney, DP, Blaz Platt, and, and the crew. And that is, of course, the one and the only. Acknowledge me! Steve Cook. Stephen A. Cook, welcome back. Hey, hey, everybody. I'm in. It's been a while. It's been a minute. I don't even know how long it's been, to be honest with you. It's It's been long enough, I suppose, because I'm here. And let's be honest, uh, not much has changed for me since the last time I talked to you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm still four on one, still at the chair shot, still doing this, still doing that. It's uh, The more things change, the more you stay the same, I guess you could say. True. So, somebody said that once, right? That is very, very true. So at Steve Cook 84 on the Twitter as well. Give him a follow. Um, I'm excited. We haven't chopped it up and talked about wrestling and, and stuff. And, and, you know, things have changed. Obviously we do the list now and I'm very excited to do the list with, with cook here this week. So we're gonna have some fun, but you got to have some fun last week. And, and I want to talk about that as we dive right in, because some people yell at us and say, we talk too much BS at the beginning of the podcast. So as we dive right in, 
You were lucky enough to attend last week's edition of AEW Dynamite in Cincinnati. You know, not not just the home of John Moxley, also the home of Steve Cook. So, just overall, I mean, obviously we we know what happened with the main event. We know what happened with Hangman Page and 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 John Moxley and everything else that that goes around with it. Your just overall thoughts. Like, tell us about the AEW experience you had and and everything that went along with it. I'll tell you what, I had not been to a wrestling show in a very long time. Even before the pandemic, I'd kind of become a bit, uh, gosh, antisocial, I guess you could say. Not really a big fan of being a big, in big crowds. So I kind of stopped going to shows for a while before the pandemic. And then, of course, once that hit, nobody's going anywhere. Right. And, you know, time just passes and I'm busy with other stuff. But finally, uh, last Tuesday night, I my job's downtown, right next to the Heritage Bank Center. So it was a nice commute for me. I just walk on over, have a little dinner at the Holy Grail, and then walk on over Heritage Bank Center, catch myself some AEW Dynamites, and just kind of see what's going on there with the with the folks. Um, it was a nice little crowd. I won't say it, it wasn't quite a. I wouldn't say it was jam packed. Like right. they they didn't have you know same way as most TV tapings are. You don't see a, a whole lot of people on the on the camera like the side with the camera there. So I know Meltzer, our, our boy Dave Meltzer, he had said that the ticket sales are a bit disappointing. I do think there's a walk-up crowd. I know I was part of the walk-up crowd because I don't buy tickets before I go to shows anymore. That's just me. I walk up, buy a ticket. That's what, what I do. I'm sure what some other people did as well. So It's all good. It, it, filled in, it filled in pretty good once you got close to the match time and whatnot. And so we had... We had the dark elevation tapings, and we had the dynamite uh, stuff and whatnot. And I must say that uh, you know, bell to bell, the matches, I had I had no complaints. I thought all the matches are pretty solid. You know, a lot of your dark elevation matches are going to be squashes. You know that going in, right? But you still had like a you had like like a nice little match with uh, Claudio and QT Marshall. You know, QT working the old heel gimmick. You know, old school kind of guy, and Claudio doing his stuff. So. He had some fun there. Yeah, had Pillman Jr. got to do a tag match with Griff Garrison. That was fun for the people. Uh, fans were pretty well in everything too. The uh, local talent got good pops and whatnot. Good. And once we got some, once we got some main show, I thought, you know, you had the trios match, which I thought was fun. I mean, I'm a big, uh, big Lucha Brothers guy, anyways. And you know, Pax. How can you not be? Yeah, the best, you know, best friends. Orange. I like Orange. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like Old Pockets, but I don't know. He just kind of. He amuses me. What can I say? Maybe I'm maybe I'm easy to amuse. I don't know. But that was a that was a fun match back and forth. He had uh, gosh, it was uh, Tony Storm and mm-hmm. uh, now I'm spacing already. I knew the Carl Shida. Shida, Shida, yes, Shida was great, and Shida was very over with the people, which is nice to see. They had themselves a nice little match. You had the uh, you had Jericho up there. Gosh, he's going against. I'm forgetting is that people. Dalton, Dalton Castle. Castle. How Dalton I forget Castle? Dalton yeah. Castle? I love Dalton Castle. Me too. I've been a big Dalton Castle fan going back to the ROH days. It, I, it always surprises me when people like don't know Dalton Castle. I know we we've learned there are a lot of people that didn't watch Ring of Honor back in the day, which is so weird. He's I, the guy who took it off of Cody, like exactly. I mean, in Ring of Honor. And that's a thing too with uh, some of the folks I talk to who like the AEW, and they get so mad whenever Ring of Honor is on the show. Like, 
And it's like, I don't get it because, Why? dude, a lot of the guys y'all like these days, they came up through the Ring of Honor. So, well, and like all the it. Ring of Honor, like Jericho's an AEW guy. When Claudio yeah. won it, he was an AEW guy. Joe's an AEW guy. FTR AEW guys. Uh, Mercedes they, Martinez. They Cole? Is, I think she's still Cole there. when he's around at Riley. Yeah, guys like, but they weren't part of the ROH matches, but they could be. Like, it could be if they Dalton if Castle, around, yeah, he's an ROH guy, but it, it's like the, the gimmick is that Jericho wants to beat all the former ROH champions. Like, obviously, he can't. You know, Castle, Castle's gimmick just gets over so well, too. I mean, even if, yeah. even if you don't know him going in, like uh, some people sat around me didn't know him going in, but they were pretty big fans by, while the match was going on. He was he was killing it with Jericho there. So, fantastic stuff there. And unfortunately, well, I. The main event was that was unfortunate the way it ended, of course. Up until that point, I thought Moxley and Page were having themselves they a were. fine match. And, you know, it's unfortunate what happened there. Glad Page, I, glad Page is okay. Hopefully he'll be back soon. And then they did a little deal. I still don't know whether they planned on doing anything after that. Because they did Rampage, of course, over in Jacksonville on Friday. Right. I don't know if they're going to... They, they didn't advertise anything after Dynamite was off. So I, I don't know. My guess is they weren't. Not to or what? My guess is they weren't going to record Rampage there. Like I seriously doubt they threw the Jacksonville thing together that quickly. Like I'm sure. No, no, they're already doing. I no, I was wondering like if they're gonna have like a dark match or something after. I don't think they normally. You know, like like after like Roller Smackdown or whatever, they'll have like a dark match after that. Like I don't know if they had that plan or whatnot. I don't know if they do normally do dark matches, especially when you had the dark elevation taping beforehand. Um, I, I wondered if the MJF coming out. Did, was that accelerated maybe a week or something? BM, of, oh, and I, I didn't mention the freaking promo with MJF and Regal. Yeah. My God. MJF, that guy, he's just, he's a master. There's no getting yeah. around at that point. I just think it's a little, t- the only feedback I had on the promo, I just thought it was a little too long. But besides that, I thought it was great. Regal, like MJF talked forever, but Regal's responses were so good. Um, I don't think it would have played like, Everyone believes that MJF is going to end up in WWE, and, and I'm sure he will. I don't think like that promo would have worked on on Bra or on SmackDown. Like it's no, definitely geared no, towards that crowd, and they know what they're doing with that crowd. Yep. It doesn't it doesn't grow, but at the same time, it's barely been three years. Like it doesn't have to grow just yet. And TBS and Warner, whatever, they're happy. It's consistently in the top of the rankings each week. Like it's fine. Um, but but Regal, I mean, talk about another master like both. Like you have like like the future legend in there with the legend. Like it's just a really good combo. MJF's character. We'll start there. To me, yeah, I'm unsure what it is. Like he's such a good heel, and he's so amazing at drawing heat. But yet he's got this like conflict, and 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 Regal saying, you know, he he lacked that like you know. Would he be willing to t- take the step that it takes, take the shot, whatever? And then MJF cutting the promo saying he's going to earn it. Does that lead to him winning that title through some kind of nefarious way, like turning it around? Or does he legitimately win it and stay legit? Like, is the money in MJF being fully legit and clean, or is the money in him being a heel? I just, I think it's in him being a heel, but I don't know. That's, that's interesting. And the kind of the idea that I've had and the idea of some other people have thought of, um, it might just lead to Regal turning against Moxley and uh, joining up the MJF, maybe giving MJF the old brass knucks. You know, I mean, 
It's better knock out somebody with a brass knuck than it is with a diamond, diamond, diamond ring anyway. You know, you cover up all your knuckles. Makes sense to me. But yeah. MJF is the kind of guy. I like when MJF will occasionally be like that. He'll act like a baby face. And everybody knows he's not. Like, you know, when yeah. they go, whenever they go to Long Island, he acts like a big old kiss ass. There was that one episode, I forget where it was, where he came out. He's, he acted like a baby face for a minute or two. It's 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 hilarious, and even though you know he's full of shit, you still get entertained by it, and it kind of makes me think that because I remember you might remember back when when they were founding AEW and Cody would be doing all his press conferences and speeches about what they're going to do and whatnot, and I remember one of the things he would say was like uh, he thought he kind of thought the whole face heel thing was passe, right, and that's kind of where I'm I'm kind of camp of. Uh, I don't really care whether MJF is, you know, a heel or babyface, whatever. Just let MJF be MJF, and let the fans decide, you know, yeah. whether they're going to cheer, whether they're going to boo. MJF, of course, he he's a dick. I mean, he's a he's an asshole, no doubt about it. But uh, hey, dicks and assholes can be the best babyfaces too. Especially when the fans turn them, and that's like like a Kevin Owens. Like every time he's gotten over his babyface, the fans have done it, and. And they, you know, Edge was the same way. Like he was sometimes when you're such a good heel and the fans start to appreciate how good of a heel you are, you, you then start, look at Jericho. I mean, he's one of the biggest heels in the company and he gets a huge pop every time he comes out. Some of it's respect, but some of it's just, my God, like this dude's in his fifties and here he is just performing at a level that it's not the Jericho that we remember, but it's not the Jericho that it should be in his fifties. Like he's far surpassing what he should be able to do at this age. And I yeah, think that Jericho there's just appreciation in certain corners. And I don't, I don't see why, because I think Jericho is having a phenomenal run. I agree. Especially given his advanced age and whatnot. And I'm not one of these people who has a tremendous problem with him and staying with AEW. And hmm. may, I mean, given Tony Khan some advice, I think we can all agree. Tony Khan, you could use some advice. I mean, Tony might admit himself, and who better to take advice from Chris Jericho? I feel like these two most recent signs, and even before, like right after the All Out incident, or even before the All Out incident, when they announced some promotions and people in new positions, to me, that was Tony basically saying, like, I can't do this all by myself, and I do need some help. And the recent, the, the extension for Jericho, which is only two years versus Moxley's five years, but both of them taking on these additional responsibilities, I think it makes sense. Like, you know, all friends wrestling when it started with Cody and Omega and the Bucks and all being EVPs. And I've got this theory. And I don't know if I've posted it because I think I was going to put an article and never got a chance to. One of the many on the list that I would love to write. I really think when the elite comes back, and I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later, just because we've seen the teases, they've been mentioned on TV now. When the punk thing gets resolved and he's gone and, and when the elite come back, my gut instinct is that we're going to find out, and AEW does usually release these things. I think we're going to find out that they're no longer EVPs and they're just wrestlers. And and at that point, Probably it might so. even be that a Jericho and a Moxley might even hold more power within the company than the Bucks and Omega do. I think that's okay. I think that might even be the best for all of them, including the Bucks and Omega. Yeah, um, they might be in that same bed with Cody, where even Cody admitted that it was probably too soon for him to be an EVP and take on all those backstage responsibilities. That should, he just went in at that point in his career. And maybe Candy and the Bucks aren't at that point in their career either. And there's even the grand conspiracy that maybe someday they'll leave too. I mean, who knows? And I could see it. I'm sure WWE would love to have that pop when the, when they show up. That'd be a great surprise. I think I mean, that'd go over pretty well. 
Everybody <laughs> likes to look back and say they saw it, but no one saw Cody leaving. They, they didn't. No, like, that's. But then that kind of makes you think that, well, maybe, maybe ain't, that's the point where I start thinking, okay, anything's possible. Of course, maybe anything's possible. Anything, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, they, they could go. And and that's part of my problem. And it does come down to personal preference. But like I watch I try to watch Dynamite as much as possible. Okay, There's a lot of wrestling on. There's literally 11. There there's 12 hours of wrestling on Monday through Friday. Like it's insane. That's crazy. There's, yep. there's, there's raw. There's two hours every night. And then on Friday, you've got Smackdown and and uh, Rampage. So. There's then there's impact on Thursdays and sometimes impact level pay-per-view on Friday. Yeah, like, right. You know, like it's, it's just a lot going on. NXT, which is still one of my favorite things to watch. Like there's so much on there, but I do watch it, but working from home, I will on Thursday put a, you know, pop up and watch dynamite that was on, you know, on, on Wednesday. Cause Wednesday is like the day I try not to do any of this stuff. Um, it helps you stay married, but it's, <laughs> I enjoy dynamite the most when the bucks and Kenny aren't on. And, and some of the, the best episodes I've seen, it's been when the focus has been on the Black Bull Combat Club, because I love, I mean, Wheeler, Utah, whatever, but like Moxley, Danielson, Claudio, Regal, like love all those guys. Yeah, and they, they don't do nearly enough with Danielson, but that's, that's Danielson's choice. So I can't even blame I think them they for that. Will. That's what he wants to do. He's a guy. He loves putting people over. That's what he wants to do. So it's I, weird. I, I really thought he was going to win that tournament. And, and that was going to be how they sailed forward. And maybe they're waiting for MJF to, to use that chip, beat Moxley, and then MJF and Danielson's the big program. Cause we've already done MJF and Moxley. We've already done MJF and Jericho. Yeah. MJF and Danielson could be like next year's double or nothing program, you know, and, and can be their big, big money main event. Um, yeah, if Regal ends up with MJF, or even if, if Regal doesn't end up with MJF, maybe he will later on. Yeah. Maybe. maybe I like Regal. I like MJF without anybody. Like I liked when he, you know, he came out with the firm and did the Joker thing, and, and that's another thing yeah. too. Like that was all done so fast. Like that was all within one show. Like yeah. tease that out, they right? Do. They do rush through things. And not only that, but like the Joker look was so good for MJF. He should have kept that and kept coming out with yeah. that mask on and taking it off. And then everybody could claim that the Bray Wyatt stuff they're doing now was ripped off of MJF with the Joker gimmick. Um, and it would look, you know, the, the optics would be there. Uh, but it's yeah, not pretty physical the similarity between MJF and Bray Wyatt. They could have even done, maybe they think it's Bray Wyatt or somebody right? else. They could have. the fact that Bray's like 200 pounds heavier. Huh? I don't well, know. Even MJF came back bigger, but more muscular. <laughs> not that um, big. <laughs> I mean, AEW doesn't doesn't test but i'm not saying he, he doesn't have a road belly, so i don't think he took anything i think mjf's just young and, and an opportunity to be in great shape um but it's it's but i like the fact that he hired the firm for that and then basically the next week on dynamite like puts stokely hathaway in his place and is yeah. not aligned with the firm permanently I, I, he just doesn't need it right he doesn't need a regal he doesn't need any of that kind of stuff um, no, he didn't need he didn't need a pinnacle of Tully and all these guys either. Yeah. I mean, and the pinnacles nice back family. together now. Like the pinnacles back together without MJF. Well, sometimes we see them occasionally. But I they mean. even like like when 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 you know Sean Spears came back and now he's the ten guy again. And, you know, yeah. the week before in Canada, and it was him FTR, and they actually advertised the six man tag, and they referred to Spears and FTR as the pinnacle in the advertisement. Yeah, sure and it's like the pinnacles back just without MJF. It'd be interesting if all of a sudden the inner circle was back without Jericho, although most of them are in the appreciation society now. So they, at least they did have a little moment in the ring, although I don't think announcers mentioned it where Spears and Wardlow were there together. Yeah. And it's like, you know, last time we saw them, they weren't exactly friends. And, and they and kind Spears, of, I think, apologized. 
Yeah, Spurs fell. He's like, my bad. Yeah, they acknowledge <laughs> that. And yeah. I don't think the yeah. announcer. I think you're right. I don't think the announcers mentioned it, but you could see it on camera. Yeah, they and were I doing think it. The pinnacle works with Dax as like the mouthpiece because he's such a good talker, and and Joe, whether he's in it or not. And we're just going to jump all over the place here. What do you think of War Joe? The tag team with the two singles champions. Like, how do you feel about War Joe? That's a that's a nice idea. I mean, I'm I'm always in favor of two big guys just coming in and beating the crap out of people. So I'm all for have them having more matches. Um, they don't. They seem to kind of come and go. Both guys really. We I know Joe's been doing busy doing other stuff, and right. Wardlow. He's got the TNT title, but he just he has just hadn't been around as much since the whole MJF feud ended. So right. he definitely needs something to get going again. And I think yeah, a tag team with Samoa Joe. And you know, eventually it's going to lead to Wardlow versus Samoa Joe, which I think is something that could uh, could do some business for him down the line if yeah. they, you know, if they, if they don't do it next week, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Not, they yeah. might just do it next week. Yeah, that's a but, but they yeah. wait a little while, wait a couple, wait a few months or so, then maybe you got something good for Gosh Revolution or Double or Nothing uh-huh. or something like that. It's so weird too because I see people complaining on Twitter about Warjo as a team. They don't make sense. I love Warjo as a team. I love that they got the singles titles and they're still a team. First of all, I think Joe is the perfect person for Wardlow to learn from. So there's a yeah. ton of benefit. Do people remember, like, even though Wardlow wrestled for a long time on the indies, like, he's got to learn and how to be this. Yeah, who is he wrestling TV. now? You know? Yeah. It, it's <laughs> so, him, and now they're going to feud with the kingdom, it looks like, who just came in. Um, and, and for me, if they, and, and I love the promo that was cut where Joe was like, you know, you, 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 you pick how you want to die. Do you want to wrestle Joe? You want to wrestle Wardlow? Like, to me, it just works with them as a unit, but still having the single stuff. And I think that's a tradition. It's okay to break, right? And that's what people, you know, AEW is supposed to be this great alternative, but then people complain when they do something that's alternative that to me works. And that's, you know, it, it's, I'm all for criticizing AEW, but there are a lot of things they do that work. And, and we got to shout those things out. Um, I never complain about two guys that can actually go that are big, just yeah. beating people. You know, that's always good. And they get a great oh, pop. Like I love FTR. God, if somehow they got to 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 War Joe versus FTR, I mean, take my money mm. right now. Like I think Spears as the ten guy works again too. It's like I felt like you know he's just preparing for his return at the Royal Rumble at some point and at number ten. But yeah, uh, that's the best of his array of gimmicks. He had like is. fifteen different gimmicks going there for a while. But uh, it is, and I'm okay with it. You know, and everybody can hate on Sean Spears, but like. Dude, he got to marry Peyton Royce. Like no one is a like, like uh-huh. he won. He wins. There's yeah. nothing we can say or do. He wins, and and that's the end of it. That's the end of the story. Um, I was so upset at the 2019 Royal Rumble here in Phoenix when he wasn't number ten. I was just really. I mean, he did it the two years. That's why I knew. That's why I knew that that guy in there. Later that year is when he it's got like, released. Man, but, do that anymore. Okay, um, he's gone. And and he did. He was number ten the two years prior. So I get it, but. Yeah, I was really hoping he'd be. And then when, and then I was like, no, he's going to be number eleven. They're going to pull, you know. And then <laughs> eleven was like Rollins who ended up winning it. But, um, but I was really, you know, it was just kind of how how it flowed for me. But um, any upsetness? I don't know if that's the right word, but the fact that you didn't have Rampage did that matter to you at all? Matter to the crowd at all? No, I don't think so. I, I I didn't sense any disappointment or any. I mean, other than the obvious awkward ending of the show, which right. kind of kind of put, like kind of uh, you know fun people out a little bit. But no, I don't. I don't think if the show had ended regularly with uh, Moxley winning and then doing the MJF, they probably have done the MJF deal anyway. I would think or something. I think yeah, they would have done something, and I think the fans have been perfectly 
happy with that. Moxley MJF had disappeared from the luxury box before the injury yeah. happened. So yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, yeah. And uh, so like at the end, then after Moxley and Claudio and you did talk through their deal in the ring or whatever, and Moxley's like walking around the crowd for a while. And, you know, so I think the fan, you know, except for the whole page thing, I think the fans yeah. were perfectly happy. And I know I was perfectly happy to go home like around 10, you know, 10, 15, 10, 30 or so instead of, Gosh, when they have those marathon tapings where people are going, like when they do the two-hour rampages, oh, people yeah. are going home like 1 a.m. Like, Jesus Christ. I, I know, know when they do them I on the East Coast, like, like they did the two-hour rampage yeah, in New York. I people like the marathon shows, but to me, I just, I, I, I'm old, man. I yeah. can't be spending all night. As much as I love wrestling and love watching matches and stuff, there, there's a point where it's time to go. And I probably could have done a little bit more, but no, I was yeah. happy to not be there like 1130 midnight trying to get home out of Cincinnati. I um I once went to in '95. I went to a raw taping in Richmond, Virginia, Richmond Coliseum, which isn't even used anymore. It's like condemned. They literally t- it was it was the raw after the Survivor Series that year when Bret Hart beat Diesel, and then Diesel like cuts his anti Vince McMahon promo. Um, and basically that night on Raw, because of where Thanksgiving fell with the holidays and everything, they had a live Raw, three episodes of Raw that they taped. Plus, they had to tape that weekend's superstars. Plus, there were three uh. dark matches for the like the <laughs> like the house show main events. Which and it was like one was supposed to be Brett and Owen, or no, Owen and Yokozuna versus Brett and somebody else. I can't remember who. And then I think it, and then there was uh, I think it was Davy Boy because then we also had, no then we also had Davy Boy versus Diesel and we had. Bret Hart versus The Undertaker, like all is your dark matches. So this thing was, I mean, they taped five hours of television plus three dark match main events. Like it was insane. Um, oh, but so I was 19, was was 18, I was 18, 19 years old. It's 95. So 95. Okay. Late 95 on Thanksgiving break from college. So mm. yeah, it was fine for me. Okay. But, cause I, cause I went to a raw taping in February 96, not too long after that. Yeah. yeah that was the first show I went to. I was like 12 years old or whatever. So I was pretty excited. But man, those those raw tapings going for a while, and yes, they would have plenty of extra dark matches and whatnot. Yep. And the really fun part about that is they would they'd advertise things like they'd like advertise things for local market, like we're supposed to get like Bret Hart versus British Bulldog in a uh-huh. cage or something like that. And that changed to after especially Bret versus Bulldog in a cage. That's gonna be like your dark main event. Yeah. And then you go to the, we go to the Cincinnati Gardens, get a little program, get a little piece of paper inside with a with a card. It's been changed to a steel cage match with uh, Razor Ramon versus Goldust. And huh. we're like, okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, Razor and Goldust, that's a fun right. little feud at the time. People, that's that's interesting. And they'll end up having like a singles match on Raw that didn't have a finish. They're building, they're trying to build up for a WrestleMania match that never right. happened with these two. Uh, so that wasn't the cage match. So they, you know, after all the raw stuff's been taped, they bring out the cage. Of course, it takes some time. They, they, they didn't lower the cage back in these days. You it know? was a they setup cage? Okay. Out. They had to set it up. And so we found that we, we got the steel cage match after all this hullabaloo and putting the cage up. It winds up being Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the aristocrat, of course, uh-huh. versus Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Wow. That was our cage match. It went from Brett versus Bulldog to Razor versus Goldust versus to Helmsley versus Drosy. Drosy gets the win when Helmsley punches Drosy and Drosy stumbles out the cage door. Wow. Probably yeah. 
the match was probably shorter than at time, the time it took to set up the cage, too. Oh, I, I, not even close. Yeah, not even close. Was and, it uh, was it the big blue bars? It was the blue. Yes, big oh, blue, bars, the yes. blue bars. And guess what? That wasn't even the main event either. They took the cage down, of course, and then they had a tag team match between uh, is Diesel and Shawn Michaels. You know, they were still kind right. of friends that built up WrestleMania. They took on the Undertaker since Diesel Undertaker is going to be at WrestleMania. Right. Undertaker and Jake the Snake Roberts who had wow. just come back. And I was a Jake the Snake fan from back in the day, so uh-huh. I was pretty excited about it. I didn't know about all the stuff going on with Jake at that point either. So yeah. Diesel and Undertaker fights to the back at about 30 seconds into the thing. So we end up with like Shawn Michaels versus Jake Roberts for about six minutes or so. That's crazy. The fact that and, they did the cage match and then took it back <laughs> down. Like and how many people had to have left by that point? Or two people fought to the back. Gosh, what do I remember? The people stuck around. Did they? I okay. didn't I remember a lot of people leaving, but uh, Good. that's John Michael's pretty over at that point. So yeah, he was. He was. That's crazy. <laughs> like, uh, it's so funny that in '96 they had to put up the cage. I went to the NWA show at the Richmond Coliseum. I want to say it was summer of '87. Hmm. It was the year after War Games was debuted as a gimmick. So it was the summer of '87 or summer of '88, and I saw a show that had. A scaffold match, the Midnight Express <laughs> versus the Fantastics. And oh, then wow. they took down the scaffold and they had war games. They took down the scaffold. Because wow. they had to for How war games. Take? But the war games cage they just lowered. So in, in 88, okay, they could yeah. lower the cage. They could have done it in 96. But sometimes it also deals in the in the structures and what they have available to them. We're talking about they, they never they never lowered the big blue cage, I don't think. I think that was Maybe always not. one they had to put Yeah, up. they probably didn't. But yeah, um, they, once they did Hell in the Cell is when they start when WDF started lowering cages. Yeah. When they started doing Hell in the Cell. And then they had like the mesh fence cage, like right. they didn't those things forever. I do miss the big blue bars. Even when they went with the bit when it was the black cage with the big black bars. Yeah. Like the St. Valentine's Massacre cage with, with Austin and, and And you have thought, especially once they stopped doing blood all the time, that, that would have been the perfect point to bring back the big blue cage because yeah. it's a lot it's a lot harder to cut yourself in that thing. I know, like <laughs> when Hogan wrestles Bundy or WrestleMania too, it's like how are they bleeding? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Round bars on the cage. I agree with you though, and it's easier to see the match through those bars. Yep. So I say bring it back. Bring back book it, Hunter. Bring back the big black cage. Yeah. Well, Hunter might still have bad memories from that big blue cage from the Cincinnati mankind, match. Which yeah, yeah or the, that, the, the SummerSlam a... match with, with Mankind that time. They <laughs> well, yeah, that that too. that's a bad time. That's what, you know, AEW is. But when Cody was there, he loved to pander to the old school stuff. He could have brought back the big blue cage in AEW. He My gosh. Cody could pull it off in WWE right now. He could be like, we're going to fight in a cage match. And we're fighting with the big blue bar, Seth Rollins, because that's the only person that Cody's ever going to wrestle in WWE. Seth Rollins. I mean, so. yeah. Yeah, my buddy Manu Bum asked me the other day, like, uh, I don't know how it came up. I guess because they brought back Halloween Havoc. Yeah. And he's wondering like, if they're going to bring back other old school SW shows. And he mentioned Starcade, and they've done house shows before. But yeah. that would really be the perfect time. And you could bring back Cody to be the host since he can't wrestle. You know, it keeps him, it reminds people Cody's still there. And I don't know. I just think it'd be fun. Well, Starcade, if, even if it was a network special, since they don't have anything going on in December. No, you bring exactly. back Starcade. You have Cody as the host, and then you use that for Cody to announce he's going to be in the Rumble, like kind yeah. of kick off your Royal Rumble build with Cody announcing that's where he's going to return. Uh, still like expects it. him to be there Do anyway. It. You know, it just it just makes sense. Um, I saw someone post it was on Facebook, I think maybe Twitter. There, it was like WrestleMania Hollywood, and it was 
you know, the four big matches. It was, uh, you know, Roman versus The Rock, John Cena versus Austin Theory, Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey, and Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. And I was like, yes, on three of those. Do we really need to see Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins again? I don't think we do. Like, at least one of them has to be a champion if we see that match again, and not a United States champion. One not of them has to be sure. like they, they need to put that one away for a yeah. while. They, they got Maybe plenty wait, out of that wait one. A few years. Wait a they few years on that, that one. one. And Seth, and Seth lost all three of those matches and still came out over as can be, which is what's amazing. Real quick before we transition and talk a little bit about uh, do, do our list, just want to remind everybody to head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot pick up one of those beautiful chair shot t-shirts they're comfortable they look good they they feel good um you're gonna have a great conversation starter you know you got logos you got slogans you got shirts for the podcast anything you if if you're local here in arizona you want to support izw guess what we got the izw shirts up on prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot as well Uh, you get to support us and what we do like i always like to say websites don't grow on trees so it every little bit helps but at the same time you're not just giving it away. You get a cool shirt out of it. You can go soft style, be extra comfortable, whatever you want to do. Pick them up. A lot of fun. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot is where you go to support the website. Get a great t-shirt again. It's ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's AngryLemonade.net. Dean fucking Ambrose. Acknowledge me! Shut your dumb mouth. You just made the list! It is time for us to do the list. We're going to find out who just made the list now. One of the great things about the list is it can be wrestling, it can be non-wrestling. There's so many options that we have. And and that coincides with one of the great things about Steve Cook. Steve Cook is not just a wrestling journalist, but he talks sports. He talks so much more. He's literally falls into the wheelhouse of the chairshot.com. Sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment. So we're going to go sports today on the list. So uh, the list is, if you've never heard before, we basically come up with a list of six things. It's not the top six. It's not like an expanded Mount Rushmore. It's just a list, right? We're going to come up with our list of six things. Cook and I will take turns coming up with what's on the list. Then we will put those things in order and, and have a great time talking about it. Maybe we'll give some honorable mentions about what's not on the list. And today's list, in honor of Steve Cook bringing in the sports knowledge, although when Patrick Goodout hears this, he will be like, upset at himself for being sick because he would love this topic too i will hear about it next week uh we are going to do our list this week is college football programs we'll venture outside of pro wrestling once again college football programs how it's going to work is cook will go first he'll put a program on the list i'll go second we'll take turns we'll get our six and then we'll put them in order where i'll go first so steve cook the list is college football programs. You get to go first. Which college football program would you like to put on the list? Okay, well, when you think college football these days, um, do you think can you think of anybody other than Alabama? You gotta go Alabama first. They're just they're they're the top dogs right now. They've won eighteen national titles, six since Nick Saban got there. And if you take a look at the NFL right now. You got 29 teams that have Alabama players. That's That's crazy. There are three teams out there without Alabama players. (laughs) 65 players overall. I mean, 
just name a few: Derrick Henry, Tua, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle, Mark Ingram, Julio Jones, Najee Harris, Minka Fitzpatrick, Trayvon Diggs, uh, Jerry Judy, Amari Cooper, Josh Jacobs. You could go on and on and on. And when I when I thought about these programs, I'm thinking college football programs. And I think the most important thing for a college to do, whether it's your football program, whether it's, you know, academic programs, whatever, you're supposed to be getting people ready for next step. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to move people along in life. And no program does a better job of moving their football players along, getting ready for the NFL than Alabama. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, too. Like, he was there. People forget that. So Jalen yeah. Hurts, yes, sir. I mean, hell of a list. And, and you're right. Like, you, you can't have a conversation about college football without talking about Alabama. And I'm going to kind of go a program that I would look at as the Alabama of the West Coast. Not the same pedigree anymore, not the same uh, number of players in the NFL. But to me, especially being here, I'm going to put on the list, like I said, the Alabama of the West Coast. That is the University of Southern California Trojans, USC, will be my second school on the list. Um, of course, you know, l- less players in the NFL right now, uh, uh, but at the same time, really uh, huge pedigree in college football. And now with Lincoln Riley, we'll see if they can turn it around. They're on their way to the Big Ten here in the next few years, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, but I'm very excited. And so USC for me has to be on the list. Steve Cook, your second entrant to the list. All right. Well, we've gone, we've gone south. We've gone west. I think now we got to go to the Midwest. And I, I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this program. I, these people don't do a whole lot for me. I know a lot of people don't like them very much. But when you look at the Big Ten, you look at Ohio State, the Buckeyes. They've won 11 Big Ten titles this century. They've beaten Michigan 17 times this century. That's insane. That's, Michigan's won three times. That's, that's crazy. That's I mean, Buckeyes, won, they won eight national titles. You got seven Heisman trophies. They've got the. They're tied for second most players in the NFL. You got your Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Bosa, Michael Thomas, Justin Fields, Cameron Hayward, and Chris Olave, Chase Young, Von Bell. Just a lot of lot of talent. And uh, you know, every week on Sunday Night Football, it seems like there's at least one person saying their name and saying the Ohio State University. I swear, here at least once. So, Very yeah, true. I'm not, not not a huge fan, but you got to get in there. Got to respect it. Got to respect it. And I mean, this day and age, everybody loves who? Pat McAfee. Listen to the Pat McAfee show. Of course, the resurgence of A.J. Hawk, another great mm-hmm. Ohio State alum. Yeah. You're right, though. Like, love them or hate them, they are a huge part of college football. So I am going to, because I have two choices left, and, and you know, the list is the list, and it can sometimes be personal. It can sometimes have whatever you want on there. So I am going back. Not to a school that is the same storied history, not to the school that that is the same, uh, you know, pedigree that what we talked about, but a school who I believe really began the changing of the landscape in college football. It started with the uniforms. They were constantly changing uniforms. Players wanted to go there just because of the uniforms. They played in a national championship game wearing uniforms that didn't even feature their school colors at one point. Like it was insane. The money there was nuts. I, I can only imagine how much players are being paid there before NIL was a thing. One of my low-key favorite college football programs, and that is the University of Oregon Ducks. So I am going to put on the list personal favorite Oregon. Part of it's because when when we were young, before we had kids, we would stay up late when we lived in Virginia watching college football. Oregon would be on a lot. 
and they had this giant ass duck and the recruiting number was 1-800-BE-A-DUCK. And I could never forget just wanting to call 1-800-BE-A-DUCK. But to me, the Oregon Ducks are just part of the story of college football. And I think an underrated part of where we are right now with NIL because of their association with Nike. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to my friend Dustin James. Loves Oregon. Biggest Oregon fan I know. He's, he's diehard. And, you know, anytime you turn on the Oregon game, I'll tell you, last week they had these, they had these some nice uniforms on last week. They, they, had like the, they had the pink for breast cancer, black unis, the pink letters. They're, they're outstanding. And they looked good when they were stomping all over uh, UCLA. They were stomping all yeah, over. I think so. So, the only thing I have against Oregon is uh, the failed experiment with Achilles Smith with the Bengals. I, I kind of held that against them for a long time, but... You know, I can get over it eventually. And Oregon definitely a great appeal with the kids. Yeah, great uniforms. They're they're an important part of the game. I'll they agree really with are. That. All right, your last entrant onto the list. We're going to see if you're going to go pedigree. If you're going to go personal, we'll find out what you do with with your last spot on the list. Well, I'm just going to keep moving on. I'm I'm moving around geographically here. I mean, we've done the South, we've done the uh, done the Midwest. Now we're kind of going towards the middle of the country. And when you go to the middle of the country, you think of the Big 12. And we think of the Big 12, you think of the team that's won 14 Big 12 titles since 2000. And this is a program. They've had the most wins and the highest winning percentage since 1945. That's going back now. But, And I know, Greg, you and I as wrestling fans, we all know the fight song that Jim Ross comes out to every single week. They, they's there. Boomer Sooner, Oklahoma University, I, they're, they're part of the essence of college football to me. They won seven national titles. They've they've had a good run here lately, producing a lot of uh, guys. You know, Jalen Hurts, of course, and his career here. You also got Kyler Murray and C.D. Lamb. You know, my my guy Joe Mixon, Mark Andrews, top notch tight end, Ramondre Stevenson, Sterling Shepard, and and Baker Mayfield too. But you know, they can't all be perfect. But I don't know. Oklahoma is just one of those ones that I've always kind of had a soft spot for, in large part due to Jr., who even though he gets his flag these days. I, I I still like hearing him. What can I say? Another person, Jim Ross, you can't really tell the story of pro wrestling without hearing Jim Ross's voice in Oklahoma, no. is a big part of college football pedigree. I give you credit. I give you all the credit in the world for not going Homer, not putting the University of Louisville on the list. I couldn't do it. I couldn't um, do it. I, I wish I could, but it's yeah. not a rough few years. And again, it's not a top list. It's not whatever. It's the list as we want to put it. I give you all the credit in the world. I, however, will, I will, however, will not do that. I will All not right. take the high road. I will not be <laughs> a person who doesn't put the favorite school on the list. I cannot make a list of college football teams without supporting the alma mater, without thinking back to, to those formative years in college where I met my wife, where this family began, where, where I still have these fond memories, where my son would love to go kick footballs two years from now if somehow he could get out there and, and, and earn a spot on that team. So for me, one time, you know, performer in, in the in the BCS college football national championship game, not a winner. Uh, of course, the school that produced Michael Vick and a whole host of other great NFL players. And of course, my favorite place on earth and the place I went to college. I cannot do this list without selfishly putting Virginia Tech on the list. So there it's understandable. you go. I get it. So it's, there you go. Had, unfortunately, it's been kind of tough from a little Dude, bit lately, but uh, they've, had, they've got a good history there. That's for sure. 
So An amazing I, history. I, I, I for that. Frank Beamer, of course, a huge part of college football history. You know, didn't go to a bowl game two years ago, the COVID year. They chose not to, even though they were bowl eligible. Not that that mattered that year. This will probably be the first year they don't actually qualify. It's kind of upsetting, but at the same time, you can't blame the current regime. Justin Fuente just completely gutted the program. And, and you know, it pains me to see your Heisman Trophy leading candidate, Hendon Hooker, destroying the world at Tennessee, knowing that he was at Virginia Tech. But the transfer portal is a real thing and is a part of the game right now. There are so many Hokies on other programs right now doing amazing things. And it's upsetting, but at the same time, we've got a, a very Beamer-like coach in Brent Pry, and we'll see what happens in the coming years, uh, what he's able to do and recruit. No one should have expected a great year this year, considering how depleted the program was. Um, and, and we're not a big NIL school. We're not any of that. But um, Blacksburg, Virginia, still the most beautiful place yeah. on earth. The Enter Sandman entrance into the field. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's nothing like it. So. You know, I'll what? tell you what, the ACC could really use Virginia Tech to be good again. There's a number of programs oh that the goodness. ACC really needs to be good. Florida State, Miami, Virginia Tech, just a lot of programs are they're not where they're, where they're supposed to be right now. And if they were, then the ACC would just, they'd be getting a lot more respect than they currently Could you do. imagine Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia Tech were just as competitive as Clemson was, they would be just like the SEC in terms of – Yeah, but that was the idea. The SEC <laughs> is the reason why they're not because that's where all the players yep. go. And, yep, and you're there. right. Like that was the idea, ACC, <laughs> SEC, like it was all supposed to mirror when they just pulled, you know, post the Big East in the way that they did. But it's not there now. Who knows? Uh, who knows where it'll be? I mean – Right now, if anybody's going to compete with the uh, SEC, Miami, what a disaster! Miami is Jesus. No, eight turnovers last week against two. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. The, the, the but the week back, before, who they beat? They beat Virginia Tech. Yeah, of course. It's painful, of course. But, they, yeah, they told us Miami was back. You know, they were telling us that all season. Then, well, there you go. Yeah, they just didn't tell just us like it was. They just back, didn't tell right? us it was the Miami from last year that was back. So it's like Texas is back every year, and then, well, yeah, see what happens there. So congratulations to those. That's our pool that we're going to pick from. You just made the list. Now, who didn't make the list for you, Cook? Like, who did you have on the short list that you weren't able to put on here because you only had three selections? There are a couple, and I'll, I'll say Clemson there because they are holding up the ACC by themselves right now, unfortunately. I wish that wasn't the case, but that kind of is what it is. Yeah. I was very close to putting LSU on there. And it's amazing how much NFL talent comes out of LSU. You know, yeah. my guys, Joe Perry, Jamar Chase. But then, like, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Peterson, the Honey Badger, just an endless amount of talent comes out of LSU. Yeah. And it's amazing that they don't do better than they do. And they do okay, but you would think that, I mean, I guess it's just being seen divisions Alabama. But you would think they'd be a lot – They would. you think they win a lot more titles, is all I'm saying there. Also, you know, Clemson's close. Georgia, of course, you got to give a shout to Georgia since they won the won the title last year. Yeah, Bill Goldberg, all that. And man, uh, I kind of want to include them. And they still do have a lot of players in the NFL. They they produce some good players, but Notre Dame. Yeah, they're still a big name, but I just can't put them up there with like Alabama, Ohio State, places like that. Agreed. Notre Dame was on my short list. I did not expect them to get on the list, though, at least for me. Michigan was also on my short list just because of history. Um, growing up, before I made the decision to go to Virginia Tech, all of my friends were Miami fans. Mm. 
So because of that reason, oh, yeah, the eighties definitely. When, yeah. when 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 and, and this was more nineties. I'm not that old. Yeah, I'm only a couple years <laughs> more than you. Um, when when every when I found out that all my friends were Miami fans because I got into college football like a year after all my friends did, they were all Miami. I said, "Who's Miami's arch rival?" They said Florida State. <laughs> so that night, my mom, we hopped in the car, went to the mall. I bought a Florida State hat, showed up at school the next day with a Florida State hat, and and from. You know, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, I was the Florida State guy. I was doing the tomahawk chop. I was doing the whole thing. Um, so Florida State was, was on my short list as well. Um, and then Texas was on my short list too, kind of like you with Oklahoma. Just a big part of, of college football history and something that, uh, you know, I have a lot of memories of, of, you know, watching college football in Texas, being there a lot of the time and, and being a big part of that. Uh, so yeah, good group of schools, good good group of options. So we're going to take our second commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to put this bad boy in order. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thecheshop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com You just made the list. Virginia Tech, Oklahoma, Oregon, Ohio State, USC, and Alabama. Those are our six candidates for the list as we see fit. So what we're going to do now is we're going to put that list in order. So it was my topic, the topic that I brought up. Cook went first and we developed the list. So I go first and we actually put them in order. And we're going to rank things out one through six. And I am going to, um, just based on when I think of college football and, and who I see there, I'm going to buck the trend just a little bit. And I'm actually going to put number one on the list, not Alabama, but I am going to put Ohio State number one on the list. Like you, I'm not a huge fan, but I respect it. Um, um, the horseshoe is, is just a huge part of college football history. And so uh, you can't go wrong with a couple of these on the list, but I'm going to put Ohio State number one. You know, I've never been to the horseshoe for a football game. I did go for a Metallica concert back really? in 2003, and that was a good time. No kidding. I was sitting way up there and way up there in the, in the bleacher seats up there. That was a good time with Metallica back in the day. So nothing wrong with that just you know top-notch players up and down up and down the list there dominance during this this century and you know maybe they don't win national title every year but they're they're always a threat they're always kind of they're in the playoff more often than not it seems like so and a lot of people would have them number one right now so yeah uh, they might they might end up there this year they got a good looking team that's for mm-hmm. sure and uh i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go chalk i'm gonna be the boring guy at number two because I'm going to stick with Alabama, even though I know Alabama's lost the game this year. Does that mean they're out of the chase? Of course not. If Alabama wins the rest of their games, they're going to be in that playoff, and people are going to complain about it. But it's just kind of what it is. They get the benefit of doubt from the voters because look at all the players they produce for the NFL. They just kind of deserve it. I, again, we, we might not like Alabama, but uh, we sure as heck respect them. I agree. I agree 100%. So I am going to then – Put number three on the list, uh, a team with a lot of history and representing the West Coast. I will put USC number three on the list, leaving you with number four. Right, shout out to Carson Palmer and Anthony Munoz, by the way. Fine USC Trojans there, no doubt. Uh, number four, um, 
I'm going to kind of buck trend too, and we'll stick out West and I'll put Oregon on there because nice. like you said, they've done a lot to affect recent college history with the NIL, with Nike, everything getting bigger, big out there. And there's nothing better than a nice Saturday afternoon or night watching those cool Oregon uniforms. It's just a good time. Agree a hundred percent. Those uniforms are something else to behold and, and a big part of, of what we've seen for four years to come. I don't believe they call it the Civil War anymore, and I wish they did, because that was just such a fun game to watch all the time. You know, I put Virginia Tech on the list as a homer, but when it comes to putting them in order, I'm not going to have the homer pick jump over the historical pick. I will go Oklahoma at number five just for historical significance and, and putting there above Virginia Tech, which leaves you with no option at number six, but... My with Virginia life. Tech, uh, I will say my one uh, beef with Virginia Tech uh, goes back to the Gator Bowl. I forget what year it was that Louisville, Louisville Virginia Tech played in the Gator Bowl when Marcus when Marcus Fick was there. Because I remember Marcus Fick uh, taking a big old stomp on Elvis Dumerville's ankle, and people in Louisville still complain about that to this day, as they should, <laughs> as they should complain about. Two thousand and six. Ah, uh, yeah. That, yeah, that sounds right. That, that sounds right. Of, yeah, that, of that Gator Bowl. Um, Bad time. I mean, I got nothing against Virginia Tech except for that little incident there. Other than I that, miss when the Gator Bowl was just the, like, I miss those get college football bowl games. The ones that didn't have like the CarQuest Bowl or the whatever bowl. Like back when it was the Gator Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and it just had names. Like I do miss that. And, and I really think here in the next six years, the bowls are going to be devalued even more as the playoff grows. Oh, um, no, those are barely going to exist. I hate years. the they idea. Now. Uh, I actually hate the idea of having, you know, if we go to a 12-team format or whatever, I hate the idea of more than one round of the playoff being bowl games. Like, I hate the idea of, say, mm-hmm. Ohio State, say they play a first-round game because they don't get a bye, and then they play a second round game. I just hate the idea that Ohio State was in two of the bowl games in the same year. Like that to me you just can't doesn't feel make like any sense. Being champion of the CarQuest Bowl and the uh, and, uh, and the Goodyear Tire Bowl, yeah, like that weird. just doesn't doesn't work for me. Like that's you won the Peach Bowl and then you won the Rose Bowl. No, you you <laughs> didn't. Like that's just stupid. I even that's what people the fans will be like. Oh, we won so many bowls, right? Just know. more trophies for the case. When when I yeah. was pitching a playoff, I was pitching an eight team playoff. And for me, I was pitching that the first four games, the quarterfinal games, be those bowl games, be four of the New Year's Six games. And then the semifinals, because travel is such a hard thing, you know, you're traveling three weeks in a row. I actually was saying the semifinals should be on campus. So the higher-ranked campus should get the host of the semifinal game. I know people are saying do it with the first round. I think you give them a bigger advantage to do it with the semifinal game and then put the national championship in a neutral site like they do now. I think that could work. But the money talks. Imagine having to go up to Michigan, like say Michigan right. is a higher ranked team, makes the semifinal. Going up to 110, 15, how many, how many thousand people they have in that thing? And it'll be like 10 degrees. Imagine oh. if you're Georgia, having to go to Michigan <laughs> yeah. and play in January. Like yeah, that's an adv- you earn that for being the number two <laughs> team in the nation because Alabama is probably number one. Right. So, so I agree with you. I think that would be great. But I think. You know, follow the money. And I just think the money is in, you can still have people sponsor it. Like you still have all that, but they're going to want to have the big cities. They're going to, it would also like celebrate the college campus environment. Like there's so many positives to it, but I'm not in a position to to make that happen. So it's not going to. My main hope for the expanded playoff is that we actually get some more watchable games. Because how many years now have we had the 14 playoff? And it seems like every year, both semifinal games are completely unwatchable. 
there's there's blowouts every yeah, year. Yeah, there there I mean, have been a few. It seems like it's very obvious but... every year, like who the top two teams are, even if they're not, you know, if they're, even if it's not one and two, like those right. games just end up being complete blowouts. Like last year, you had you had UC. I mean, God bless Cincinnati for showing up, but they stood no chance against Alabama, and then Michigan did even worse against Georgia. It was, it was a rough day. And man. Michigan was the, the 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 popular pick at that point to to upset and to, to make yeah. it. So. Complete opposite. So. Yeah, so I'm just hoping we get some get some games that we can watch you. and have fun with. And have somebody if it's twelve team playoff and you've got, you know, some some underdog team in there, they need to win a game. Like you need a team mm-hmm. like a Cincinnati to knock off a team like an Alabama yeah. to, to and it will happen at some point. Look, a sixteen beat a one in the NCAA tournament, you know, it, it's going to happen at some point. And and when it does, we'll all go crazy for forty eight hours and then we'll forget because of the cycle of, of Excitement something else will these happen. Days, so. Somebody exactly. will have somebody something. Yeah, they will have done something. So, just for the sake of consistency, we'd like to congratulate everybody. Number one, Ohio State. Number two, Alabama. Number three, USC. Number four, Oregon. Number five, Oklahoma. Number six, Virginia Tech. Congratulations to you all. You just made the list. And now we've hit the home stretch of the program. I, I'm just talking as I'm trying to scroll and make sure I find the song because I keep moving things around and can't always find it. Here we go. All right, gentlemen, you have three minutes, and you better make it good. We got three minutes, and we're out in here. The clock is ticking, and we're in the clear. We got three minutes, and we're out in here. We got three minutes, and we're out. So we've talked about AEW. We've talked about college football. So why not venture over into another corner of the Steve Cook wheelhouse and something we like to do here at thechairshot.com? Let's talk some NFL football. So we just finished week seven. Of, of the regular season. Some teams have had their buys. Some teams have not. And it's been a surprising football season. I won't give some of the examples because you just don't know how it's going to shake out with what we're going to do. But what I wanted to do um, after week seven with it being over is just kind of come together and put together our own power rankings for the NFL season so far. So power rankings are are all the rage. Everybody loves to do power rankings. Um, I, I even want to put some together myself that are, you know, some kind of formula to it and, and see where we go. But we're going to put together the power rankings and see where everybody lies. So one through five is all we're going to do. Just our top five. We're not going to go crazy or anything like that. But so Steve Cook, um, or maybe we can even go one through six and says what we did for the list. I don't know. But this is actually a ranking in order. So our power rankings, where do we see everybody? One through, we'll, we'll say one through five. If you want through six in there, you can, and then I will as well. Who would you have in your power rankings for the NFL? We'll let you go first. So I'm, I'm big on records. I'm big on, you know, teams being undefeated and whatnot. So the Philadelphia Eagles are my number one team because they haven't lost. Pretty simple. And they've looked impressive in every single game. It, they're, they're, they're looking pretty good. People say they might go 12 now with that schedule. Who knows? So. I have I got Philly number one. Good times for Philadelphia. Good times. Um, Buffalo Bills number two. Bills look like the Bills look they're almost unbeatable. They had that weird game in Miami where things went awry. awry. But other than that, they've been they've been solid. And they even beat uh, my number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, tough to go against the Chiefs when that offense is cooking. Patrick Mahomes is still being Patrick Mahomes, not missing Tyree Hill that much. Juju Smith Schuster coming alive. Watch out for that guy. I mean, I'm. I'm pretty happy with it as a fantasy owner. Number four, I'm 
it seems like the Minnesota Vikings are flying under everybody's radar. I don't know if it's because they're up in Minnesota or whatever. whatever they just had a bye week, too, like, so that'll do it. Yeah, they had a bye week, too, and they lost, they lost to the Eagles, but the Eagles are pretty good. So I got the Vikings number four. They look like they're going to be a team coming out of the NFC North. And then number five, I'm going to make uh, my buddy Greg and make Rebecca Hardy very happy and put the New York Giants on there because I, I love seeing the Giants uh, doing good again. I mean, it's been a while for you guys. And I don't know what's going on there. Saquon Barkley is healthy. I think that's the main thing kind of powering them. But Daniel Jones looking pretty good, too. That defense looking pretty solid. So watch out for those Giants. And uh, the Bengals will be my number six team. I'll say it. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> that's I mean, my it's, it's... number six. I can't put them much three, higher than but, that. But um, they're looking good. They, they, if they play like they did last week against the Falcons, watch out. Burrow threw for almost 500 yards. And he won't even try him after the third quarter. I no, I don't think game, he probably got over seven hundred. I don't think the Bengals are at, at. I've seen them as high as five on some lists. To be honest with you, um, they just took a big jump with their win um, that they just had. So I get that. Uh, and and you know, Burrow to Chase, like it's always a deadly combination. You know, they can surprise everybody. They just came out of the Super Bowl. Yes, it was a loss, um, but still. It's weird. You've got the Bengals, you know, at sitting at three and three that some people put in there, whereas you've got like a four and two Chargers team, not quite there, but at the same time, like they've struggled. Um, yeah. You've got a lot of other teams sitting in there. Um, I don't think this is what the records that I'm looking at are old. I need to re-upload. And honestly, I would probably have another couple of teams I could put over the Bengals, but uh, you know, I, I got to be a homer here. Well, at least one time. Of course. On the show. Why not? Why not? No, I get it. So our list won't be too crazy different, but there are some similarities, but I'm okay with it and okay with where they are. For me, um, my number one team on, on the list is not the Eagles, despite the record. I do have the Bills sitting at number one. Um, if the Eagles were to play the Bills this week and, and you know, I don't even know what the spread would be. It would probably be three or less than three. Um, I would have to pick the Bills if I were making a pick. So yeah, that's where that favorite, distinction yeah. comes from. Josh Allen is just insane. Um, you know, like I love watching Wyoming football just because of Josh Allen and, and um, followed them a lot more closely last year as they were having a good year for a while there. Uh, but I do have the Eagles at number two. So it's not like I'm crazy putting them down super far. Um, I've got the Eagles at number two. Um Number three, I, it's, it's tough. Like the Chiefs are definitely beatable and, and I'm torn between the Chiefs and the Vikings at number three, um, because of where they are. But, uh, what Patrick Mahomes was able to do, you know, being down by double digits, wiping that out. Andy Reid, I can't stand like, Offensive coordinators and head coaches that call the plays that have a system in place. Like I think I, I still like the guys who can take the players they have and make the most out of them. And that's what Andy Reid does. He doesn't yeah. have a system. He has a quarterback and he has all these weapons around him and he finds ways to involve everybody. I mean, who just caught like three touchdowns last week for, for the Chiefs? I can't remember the guy's name now. Michael Hardman. Yeah. Like the week Michael after Hardman. Travis Kelsey caught four. So yeah. It's just insane. So the Chiefs are always dangerous. And and for me, I've got to have them at number three. Um, I do have the Vikings like you at number four. And I do have the Giants at number five. Um, and it's, I didn't have them at number five 
previously, like even if we did this last week, but uh, they just keep winning. And now they're six and one. And and even though they just beat the Jaguars, it's like they're finding ways to win games. Like that stop at the goal line against the Jaguars, like what Dable's been able to do for Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, like you said, starting to come back and 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 being Saquon Barkley like that is is huge. Um and in terms of number six, number six is tough because I look at number six in in the guise of like who would I not want to face? Who would I not want to go against if I were an NFL team? outside of this top five. And to me, that team, you know, unfortunately for you as a Bengals fan is the Baltimore Ravens. I would not want to face the Ravens if I was a football team right now, if I was an NFL team. So um, you're right. right. I mean, that guy, Lamar Jackson, he's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of Louisville that we talked about earlier, um, pretty good. It's tough to tough to prepare for that guy. It's just, it's, and we, we saw the Ravens play the Bengals not too long ago. And that was a, Nip and tuck battle, of course. It's yeah. it's most likely going to come down those two in that division. Oh, I yeah. just don't see the Browns getting it done. The Steelers, you know, the Steelers have some good young players, but I don't think they're there quite yet. No, they're I think not. Next year they, next not. Year they could be dangerous. So. Had we done a list of just NFL programs, which I thought about until I switched to college, <laughs> I would have put the Steelers on the list just because the respect I have for the program. I know it's an arch nemesis sure. for you. But they can beat anybody anytime. Like, like I still, you know, I still trust Mike Tomlin. Like, they are, to me, sometimes they're out of games, right? But before the first whistle, before the first kickoff, to me, I, I have him in every game, and I'm worried about the, the Steelers as well. But you're right. Like, Lamar Jackson, yeah. he's outrushed the Buccaneers and the Rams teams so far this year. Like, it's just, you know, insane. He's crazy, man. What I, he's I've loved watching that guy's whole career. Even though he plays for the Ravens now, it's the, that's kind of tricky for me. But you mentioned Mike Tomlin real quick, and I've always thought it's kind of weird how I think Steelers haters have more respect for Mike Tomlin than Steelers fans do. I don't know what the deal is with that, but uh, whenever they talk about Mike Tomlin being on like hot seat or something, like, are you kidding me? Be serious? Like, if Mike Tomlin was to leave Pittsburgh, he'd have another job in like ten seconds. Of course he would. <laughs> and, and but Woody, like, like, yeah, it's so crazy. Like Tomlin, you know, they have a new GM in place. You just lost a historic quarterback. How often do teams go from one historic quarterback to another? Like it's rare to go from Joe Montana to Steve Young yeah. or from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Like it doesn't always work out that way. And yeah, the Colts have paid Mang the Andrew Luck, and since then they've had nothing. And even then, like they've Luck historic, didn't pan they've out. They had historic the way. quarterbacks that were too old. Yeah, they, they had historic quarterbacks that won't be remembered for being a Colt. Um, right. You know, they went to they went to Philip Rivers. Everybody remembers Charger. They went to Matt Ryan. Everybody remember him as being a Falcon. Like it's just you know it, it's it's weird because Brady changed teams, and so everybody's like, okay, quarterback can change teams. And mm-hmm. since Brady changed teams. What other quarterback has really changed teams and really panned out at a high Super Bowl contender level? Not looking like Russell Wilson, I'll tell no, you that. Not Russell Wilson, not Phillip Rivers, not Matt Ryan. Like it's just not working out very well. And and um and and so yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like it's it's that maybe that system that doesn't really work. Even the Rams, you look at like, you know, F them picks and we'll just continue to sign players. Now they're dropping off and, 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 you know, the freaking Seahawks are leading the NFC West with Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Who knew, but apparently they knew. And so it's nice to see, it's nice to see a quarterback get a second chance around her for once. I mean, it's been a while. It seems like the way the NFL has been going, it's, you know, it's best to have a young quarterback. You know, you have to pay as much so you can kind of build the roster around them. 
But then if that young quarterback fails, then he's just kind of sent off the pasture. And there's probably a bunch of guys that, and still in the league, some guys not in the league that could have ended up being good somewhere. And Geno Smith right. is lucky enough to kind of hang around, getting a chance in Seattle, and here you go. I don't know when Seattle's bye week is, but I hope during Seattle's bye week they extend Geno Smith. Like he deserves it. He and, and that's and if Geno Smith gets a contract before Lamar Jackson, like that's just insane. <laughs> um, but some of that's on. Uh, it's not on Lamar. I don't know. I think it, sometimes I think if he had an agent, he'd be closer to getting the deal he wants. But yeah, it shouldn't matter. But I just think some of that is just that they want to show players that you should have an agent because that's what teams want to deal with their agents. And and I also think Jackson's getting a bad rep from the news and the insiders and everything because that's where they get all their information from is the agents. So it's yeah, it is what it is. But well, good power rankings, a wide receiver, you know, <laughs> good good power rankings. Maybe next year we'll get more into the power rankings. I really want to dig more into that kind of stuff and, and focus more on the sports side. So difficult to do sometimes as you know, we all well, with my gambling picks going as badly as they are, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> in the future. Maybe you can these lines are, these lines are killing me this year. The lines I mean, this year, because of the explosion of sports betting, I think the lines have become a lot more difficult and, and, yeah. and, you know, you have to look at, and like, you have guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers that you can't, it doesn't seem like you can trust them right now. I don't know what's going on with. Yeah. Last, Last week, last year, Aaron Rodgers was money, and this year, you know, he needs to get back on whatever he was on last year. Apparently, I don't know what he was. I forget what he's taking. Some kind of herbal supplement. Or I think something. he's on he more things now. That. I think that might be the problem. Ayahuasca oh, and all possibly. that stuff. Possibly, he, he might know, be washed but, uh, unless he has his major resurgence next year. If he doesn't retire, I think he could be washed. So, not good everybody stuff. can play until 45, 46. No, not, I mean, look at Brady right now. Like it looks like he's regretting that decision to come back and. and um, Boy, yeah. him and Giselle must have fallen apart really bad. So I, uh, that's all I can say. Yeah, they I mean, look, that was really probably – that stuff doesn't happen overnight. So who knows? So Steve Cook, thank you for jumping in this week and, and being a part of this. A lot of fun. Um, some great stuff about AEW. Uh, the fact that you got to be there and all that. Look, wrestling is supposed to be enjoyable. And literally, if I watched all 12 hours of content every single week – I guarantee you there'd be something I liked on every single one of those shows. Like that's just the way, unless you sit down and you're going to watch raw and you want to hate raw, you will. If you want to sit down and enjoy raw, you will. Like it's all about the mindset you sit down because it's pro wrestling and, and same with dynamite. There were times where I wanted to hate dynamite and I very easily could have, but now when I watch it and I didn't watch it for a while, mainly because of time. Um, and now when I watch it, I always enjoy something. And that's where I saw the complaining about Jericho. And then when I got back into AEW, the first thing I liked was Chris Jericho. So it's, weird how that works, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the deal is. And same with me. I mean, uh, I'm kind of known as not being a WWE guy. I may have more into the other fed just because yeah. I am, but I still watch Raw. And it's like, Oh, that, that, that part's fun. Or watching NXT tonight. And Hey, there's Shotzi. I like Shotzi. She's fun, you know? And, just you know, we watch SmackDown. You see something. If you're not, if I don't know, it's just there's always something to like in wrestling, yeah. man. That's I think we can both agree. There's always something to like, and there's maybe there's stuff you're not gonna like, but people. I guess there are a lot of people out there like to dwell on the things that they don't like. If social media is any indication, there's a lot of people like that. Right. But that's that's just not me. I'm just yeah, not social media, and 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 that permeates into regular media. 
negative cells and complaining cells mm-hmm. and, and, you know, ratings have dropped cells more than ratings improved. And so, yeah, yeah. ratings are steady or, or the ranking is still good. Like, like it's just, you know, what, what gets the clicks and what gets everything. Yeah. Um, no, if Raw goes up, it's great. I mean, if SmackDown goes up, it's great yeah. because it's the rising tide and, and a good WWE will bring everybody up. That's think, I think that's what we're all hoping for with the uh, regime change over there. We're all hoping that things get better there. And if they get better, and a lot of people are going to other yeah. shows too because I remember, gosh, when the Attitude Era had a lot of successful indie feds drawing thousands of people because yeah. people want to see wrestling. Exactly. And and now it's you draw and you can also distribute your content. I mean, content distribution is something that I'm literally working on right now with our stuff because we've got like a year's worth of events in the can and, and some have commentary and some we're adding commentary too. And it's like, what do we do with them? Where do we put them? Like, where do we distribute them? That's kind of our next big thing to figure out in 2023 is distribution. So I get that. Yeah. Um, real quick, put you on the spot. So every week, right? Monday through Friday, major televised wrestling, Monday's raw, Tuesday's NXT, Wednesday is AEW dynamite, Thursday's impact, Friday is SmackDown and rampage. So six shows over five nights, but say we had this finite amount of time that we do anyway, but it was even more finite than usual, and you could only watch one. Which one would you watch? Hmm. If I could only watch one. And, and it was every week, so it's not like, oh, I'll watch this one this yeah. week and this other one the next week. Like, you could only watch one. Honestly, it's the answer I'm going to give is not really an indictment of any of the shows, really. It's just the fact that a lot of the people I talk to nowadays are wrestling fans. Uh, a lot of them tend to fall into Dynamite mode, where they, they watch Dynamite like every week. And that would be the best way for me to talk to the people I know yeah. if, if, to watch Dynamite. Maybe I like maybe I like something else better. I mean, I don't know. It impacts in the good from time to time, you know. Yeah. But if, if that's the only thing I watched, I'd be talking to pretty much nobody. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> one or two people on Twitter and that's it. Yeah, I get it. No, that and that's, it. Yeah, and that's the thing that people got to understand. Like you made your decision based on like the fandom and, and basically you made your decision on what's going to happen the other six days and what conversations you're going to have and where you can be. Um, and, and honestly, for me, a night too, because on Monday, you know, Monday's Monday's more of a sports night, yeah. you know, Friday's more of a sports night too. So Agreed. from my perspective, Monday's Monday's probably the night where I had the least going on. Yeah, no, I get it. I understand that completely. So um, for me, honestly, if I were to pick Monday through Friday, the one event that I could watch, the one show I could watch, it would still be NXT. Like despite all the changes, despite everything, okay. the one I look forward to the most, I watch Raw and Delay on Mondays, at, you know, and, and sit down and do work. I watch Smack, or I watch NXT on Delay after I'm, you know, producing these podcasts. I don't watch Dynamite till Thursday morning i don't really get to catch impact all that much more in highlights i watch typically smackdown i'll watch either on friday night this week i didn't watch smackdown till like well i watched smackdown on saturday and i watched halloween havoc on sunday actually is when i watched um um, those and then rampage i i rarely catch rampage unless there's a match on there i want to see and i can usually find it on youtube or whatever but yeah, for some reason, like like it's always the one I look forward to the most is NXT. It's that future sure. talent. You see the hunger. You see it all. I thought they would change more when they went back to a little more of the gold, but they didn't change as much as I thought they would. But I'm still enjoying it. Maybe it's a Shawn Michaels thing. I don't know. But NXT would be would be my pick. So it's always fun to see that new talent develop and to see. And they're not all going to be great, of course. You're not yeah. going to have like a roster of legends and whatnot but it's it's interesting to see like the kind of people come up like uh 
tonight. I know you haven't watched it yet, but there's a there's a debut of somebody tonight that I think is I a lot that. of people are getting an eye on. And I think I, a lot of people are selling her career. So so we saw the debut. So you saw that it was is it Ava Rain or Ava Rain? I don't know how she pronounces it. I think it, I think it said Ava. Ava. Um, the Rock's daughter, of course, the Rock's daughter, and she's a part of the schism. She's the fourth member of the schism. Nobody saw that coming. So, so kind of like another, the second bonus question for today, knowing that they put the Rock's daughter in the schism with Joe Gacy, with Rip Fowler and other Jagger or something. I can't remember his last name. I'm bad with the names. <laughs> yeah. They're still the Grizzly Young Veterans for me. And at some point, I believe they'll break off and become the Grizzly Young Veterans again because I love that act yeah. so much. I really did. But I'll go first this time. I love it. I think that was the perfect place to put her because she needed something so out there and different to where you're not just expecting The Rock's daughter. And, and, and she needed, and the only way to do that for me is for her to not be a solo entity on her own, even if she debuts part of a tag team, because it's hard to debut as part of a tag team in NXT, especially for the women, like, you know, Valentina Faraz and Ulysses Leon, like don't do it for me at all. Like I prefer one Valentina Faraz way more than the other one. And, and so some of the teams have worked, some haven't, but for me, putting her with schism, which is such a niche of a niche group. And such a set, you know, aura to them and, and a set gimmick to them. That to me allows her to separate herself. Is that the gimmick she's gonna have if she ever makes it the main roster? No. But to me, to get her career off to a good start, I think that was a great move. I really do. I, I agree with you. And also, even though her career's been very successful, um, you know, the she's not not out there being the rock's daughter. Right. Um, Charlotte Flair has pretty much always been Ric Flair's daughter. Yeah, and even though she's she's had good run, don't get me wrong, but she does tend to get on a lot of people's nerves because she's just ever been Ric Flair's daughter. And I know she doesn't like people calling her that, but that's the way they present her as. She comes out wearing robes and yeah. uh, blonde hair and acting like you know the, the female version of Ric Flair, and so, it works for her. And 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 Ric Flair can be parodied. And and easy, more easily than The Rock. Well, like, Ric Flair wasn't even the first Nature Boy. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and not only that, but like even Dusty Rhodes was going to be more the Ric Flair character before Flair did it. Yeah. And then there was Nature Boy after Ric Flair, and that just didn't work out. So, yeah. um, and Charlotte Flair oh, is baby. basically the Nature Boy, like just running around as Charlotte Flair. Like even have had has had a robe made from an old robe of Ric Flair's. Like it's it's and it works for her. Don't get me wrong; she's playing it perfectly and i'm excited for when she eventually comes back and, and the role that she plays there um but for for the rock star to show up be the rock and apparently whatever promo she cuts and i haven't seen it yet was pretty good um and i know she's been cutting promos at the house show loop uh for nxt so yeah she was fine uh, no complaints here she's she's fine doing what she did there you know i mean look she can't be as bad as maxine dupree so that to me is is because she's terrible and i don't think she's long like that that whole gimmick like the best thing that happened out of that gimmick is we got la Knight back so that's that's literally the best thing for me because sean ricker deserves a chance he's 40 years old and he's getting a shot and he's uh, he's got to do so. it now man he's got to do it now he does and I didn't think he was going to get it when, when Max Dupree happened. And I was there live. We went to the SmackDown before Money in the Bank when they debuted that gimmick. And I'll be totally transparent. I've talked about it. That was not a fun SmackDown to go to live at all. Like <laughs> the commercial breaks were insane. 
the we because you had the maximum male models followed by an in-ring like debate between the Usos and the Street Profits. You went like 30 minutes without a match. The house, the dark show main event was Rollins and Riddle. It lasted like eight minutes at best. Like it was just, I don't know. It just wasn't the best. A bunch of people were already in Vegas for money in the bank. Um, it was what it was, but, uh, it was still, you know, always good to get out there and, and, and see it and have some fun. So, well, cook, My I appreciate about the LA night thing. I'm going to, I'm going to catch you off real Go quick. Cause it. I'll mention the LA night thing is, uh, my favorite thing about that is that when they first changed his name to LA Knight, everybody freaking complained about it. Like, oh my God, how can they? Why can't he just be like Drake? Why does he have to be a, an old shoe or whatever? Especially when, yeah, British Knights, I know. <laughs> uh, which I yeah, desperately then, wanted and the, had as a kid. He got over. He got the thing over. That's, it's and now the guy. LA Knight's back. It's yep. the performer. EC3 got to keep his gimmick. Which is shocking considering he was Dixie Carter's nephew, right? Yeah. <laughs> he got to keep his gimmick. It didn't work. L.A. Knight comes in, just takes everything that was Eli Drake, turns it into L.A. Knight, and it works. And the big difference between Ethan Carter III and L.A. Knight is who's playing the characters. Yep. And yeah. working in WWE. EC3 didn't work because of the, the performer. L.A. Knight did work because of the performer. It Ricker, can work anywhere. Ricker was going to work no matter what his gimmick was. You could get over on Neptune, man, where they don't even speak English or, yeah. or, or Earthly or nothing. He, they, a week in Neptune, they'd be going L.A. night. Yeah. Yep. On Neptune, <laughs> yeah. like the aliens would be doing it. And then he'd become, they'd be taking him back down to Earth and they'd be marching <laughs> into the performance center with him or wherever. Um, I hope he's got it. I hope he gets a shot because I really do think he can be something special. And then, you know what? It, it, because he's 40 or 39, going to be 40 soon. Who knows what? Um, and I've met him before and I've, I have some friends that are friends with him and, and they're all ecstatic for what he's getting to do. If the career doesn't pan out in the ring, like I know he was going to manage or whatever, but like when Booker T's tired of this or Wade Barrett's tired of this and McAfee comes back and they shift people around again, he would be, his legacy might be at the commentary table in my opinion. Okay. Like, I, guess I think that. he'd be phenomenal. I really do. Yeah. So who knows? All right. Steve Cook, again, thank you for coming on. At Steve Cook 84 give him a follow on Twitter. You're going to get it all. Sports entertainment, sports entertainment from Steve Cook, just like you get from us here at thechairshot.com, at Chairshot Media. Follow me at Chairshot Greg. Do us a favor. Look up the shows on whatever your favorite streaming platform is, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, and so many more. Like, subscribe, leave us that five-star review. Turn on notifications. It all helps. Every little bit of it helps. Follow along with us here at thechairshot.com where we encourage you just like we encourage everybody to do one thing and one thing only. And if you do this one thing, uh, I assure you, you'll be happy in life. And, and if you aren't, don't come blaming me because it really had nothing to do with me. But while you're here, we encourage you to do one thing at thechairshot.com and that's to always use your head. Thechairshot.com Thechairshot.com Always use your head. Acknowledge me.